Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. In case you missed it, we are all about discipleship. This is what Jesus told us as disciples of Jesus. We're not just called to be people, yes, Jesus, I agree with you, right, and sign off and then walk our way. He said, no, this is about discipleship. This is what he called us to do, that we see it through. And this speaks to what we're about. Let's say this together. We're about becoming and making disciples of Jesus as we gather, grow, and go. One more time. Becoming and making disciples of Jesus as we gather, grow, and go. That's very intentional because we both, we're becoming, we're growing in it. How many are perfect, right? Perfection, that's not what we're going for. This is about becoming and making. Those two happen in tandem with each other. That as we're growing in the Lord, an essential part of that is that we're also making, and that's wherever we go. Sometimes the discipleship making looks like an invitation to somebody who's far from from Christ that you're friendly with them at Fred Meyer or wherever you go or at the coffee house, and you're that first step of just welcoming. Sometimes it's being in a group with them. Sometimes it's having coffee with them every week. Sometimes it's reaching out lovingly to those that you're in the workplace with and saying, God, show me how to share who you are here at the workplace. What does that look like? And just wrestling with that. All these things encapsulate different levels of discipleship, but it's one of those things where I want to encourage you, don't wait until you've got it all together. Don't wait until you feel like you're perfect because you'll never do anything, right? If I had waited until I was perfect, I would do nothing. I would just be at home and I'd be a grumpy, you know, Grumpy Canadian, which, you know, Canadians are, are not called to be grumpy. So um, walk, allow the Lord to speak to you. I love what Pastor Bob said. He said that the Lord directs a moving servant as you move. You know, Dr. Tony Evans, again, he says that we have all the faith that we need. The Bible says we only need a faith that's the size of a mustard seed, so small. He said what we need is put feet to our faith. We need to step forward in it. As you walk, the Lord will come in and mountains will move, but you have to walk in that. Is that resonating with you today? I pray that resonates in your heart as we go. One of the, one of the things, there's lots of opportunities this summer. Again, one of the things that we're doing this Thursday as, as, as a staff, we're going to meet here at 9 o'clock and go over to Vision House. Vision House, if you didn't, if you came in a little bit later today, it's a ministry here in our community in Shoreline. And it ministers to, uh, to moms and children that may be homeless for financial reasons or they're victims of do- domestic abuse, whatever that may look like. And we're going to go over and just say, we love you, and we're going to come over and do some gardening for you and pull some weeds. I know a lot of you uh, work during the day, but if you want to be here at 9 o'clock, we'll have gloves. Uh, but if you bring your own gloves, they'll be better than the ones that we give you. <laughs> so you can just feel free to come. And we're just from 9 to noon, just a wonderful time to hang out, hang out, and just, to, just a loving way to show, hey, we see you and we care about you. Before we head into the Word, we want to provide an opportunity for us to worship through giving. Giving is an act of worship for disciples. And my prayer is that as we walk forward, that we would be known for our generosity to the community and the world around us. And it's just as threefold. We do it through tithes and offerings, that, that, that first fruits, Lord, this is yours. We bring it to the storehouse, the local, our home church. But we also give towards missions. Missions for us is local, those that we see, and it's global for those that we may never see this side of heaven. And again, as we walk forward, pray and seek the Lord. The Lord says he, it's a cheerful giver. This is not about coercion. This is about opportunity. 
opportunity to walk. And whether it's on the Church Center app or giving back, this is all for the Lord, to the Lord, and for his glory. So can we just give thanks now to the Lord for the ways he's provided as you prepare to give? Lord, we give you thanks. Because, Lord, we know that you're our provider. Sometimes we can get caught up in how good we are, but, Lord, we we soon realize that you are a provider. You've given us the ability. You've given us the opportunity. You've given us every skill we have is from you. So, Lord, we give you thanks for that. And now as a sign of worship, Lord, before we do anything else, we, we want to start with our finances and, and, and just surrender to you and say, thank you, Jesus. Lord, we lift up all the missionaries. Lord, those that are local, that serve those, Lord, whether it's through Olive Crest or Union Gospel Mission or Community Dinners, Lord, so many here local, Pregnancy Resource Center, or Lord, whether it's missionaries that are, are around the world, Lord, in Ukraine, we pray for Ukraine today in Russia, Lord, we pray for peace. We pray for peace, Lord, we pray for the protection, the mighty hand of God, Lord, for so many families that are literally running for their lives, and Lord, for families that are running to the battle line, Lord, to fight. Lord, we pray. We pray for the mind of Christ. Show us how to pray. Show us how to walk. Lord, we pray for Convoy of Hope who is there helping refugees who are coming to the border to find places of safety, to give them food, to give them things that they need. Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. We want to walk forward in your will and your ways. So we surrender to you and we give you thanks. Now, Lord, as we give today, Lord, we know that you take it and you multiply it. You multiply it. We use it for your glory. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord in this. Well, today we're continuing with our Immerse series, and I hope you found a group. And if you haven't, it's not too late. Lots of resources online. Go and find them. But as, we were, uh, as I was reading through this, and again, I encourage you, uh, don't discount the Old Testament. A lot of times we can focus on the New Testament because we're like, you know, Jesus. Jesus is through the Old Testament. <laughs> it is amazing the more that you dig in and, the, and just the accounts, the, the way that God moves as we sang that new song. Did you, did you love that new, that new song that we, that we sang today, Same God? The God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament, the same God of today. I encourage you to engage in that. But as I was walking through, and as, and, and as we've been reading the, the, the accounts, it made me think about uh, something that I had back in 2009, which is called a stress test. How many of you have ever had a stress test? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you may say, the last two years have been nothing but a continual stress test in my life. <laughs> but I remember when I was getting ready to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, before you could actually do that, because they just don't let you know, people show up and just start doing that, um, those are people that often have to be rescued. But I had to go through and have a stress test. This is when you show up to the doctors, and maybe you've done that, right? You show up to the doctor, and the doctor puts all these, uh, these wires and connect it to you, on you, and he's, he's testing it. And then you get on this treadmill. And at first, it starts kind of slow, and then it starts inclining, and it gets faster and faster. And even though you tell the doctor, I can't do anymore, it seems like they just ignore you, and they go... We're going to see what, what happens here. Let's see what happens. So, and it's, it's a stress test. And as it was going through, I was reading, I've been reading this wonderful book by Glenn Packham. He tells the account of when, when he went in, he talked about how he asked the doctor, he said, Doctor, what, what are you testing today? Are you trying to see how far I can run? He said, no, I'm not trying to see how far you can run. He said, well, are you trying to test how, how fast I can run? The doctor's like, no, I'm not trying to see how fast you can run. He said, what are you trying to test here? He said, what I'm trying to test is how quickly you recover from stress. 
How fast does your heart, how fast does your body recover from stress? Meaning that when I push you to your limits, what you may think is beyond your limits, how quickly do you come back to that healthy base? And this has been known to be called resilience. See, resilience, it measures our ability to recalibrate and return to the baseline health after going through tests. How many of you were made aware of the importance of this over the last couple of years? Because see, the question is not, are we going to go through stress? I have troubles, you have troubles, all of God's children have. There's even songs about it, best-selling. Some of the best-selling songs out there are, are very depressing, aren't they? <laughs> They're about sadness and gloom. Because we go through stress. And see, spiritually, this, this, when we talk about spiritual resilience, the spiritual resilience in our life, this is the fruit of a life that is completely surrendered and is being transformed by God. Resilience is that work that God does in us to strengthen us as we surrender every moment, every situation, every part of our life to God. It's experiencing his power in our lives through the difficult challenges that come our way. That's why we see throughout scripture that when we go through difficult times, it's often those times when we, when we sense God's presence leaning in closer, not because God has changed, but because now we're leaning into him. And he's saying, all right, are you ready? Are you ready to experience the power of God in your life? See, I believe that resilience is so important as we look at this life of Saul today, as we lay this out, it's so important in our life because as we go through, there's things that we need to recognize. And as we look at this, there's, there are these three things that keep coming up that we're going to be focusing on today. And first of all, as we're talking about resilience, this building of strengthening in our life, it often begins with an opportunity. We have an opportunity in our life. There's something that's presented to us. Everything's an opportunity, right? And in that opportunity, as followers of Christ, we need to recognize that we are being prepared because there's an opportunity, but there's a preparation for the opportunity. Just like we talk about, when we talk about discipleship, it's about becoming and making. Those two go in tandem. It's on-the-job training, right? It's on-the-job training. Like with doctors, they don't say read a book and then we'll have you do a surgery. There's a whole process, isn't it? When we talk about building, they don't say read a book about building and then we'll put you in charge of building a house. God forbid you got to live in that house. There's a process, there's opportunity, there's preparation. But then one of the most important things we need to recognize in this is there's a response. Because we've been given an opportunity, we embrace the preparation that comes in our life, but how we respond to this determines the results in our life. How we respond, how we walk in this, recognizing and receiving God's training is essential. This is where we find the success. Amen? Amen. So Lord, I pray today as we walk forward. God, may we, may we pay attention to what you would say to us. Lord, may we echo, Lord, this prayer, this prayer of Samuel. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Is that your prayer? Would you pray that with me? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Give us ears. And then, Lord, fill us with that courage, that same courage that you gave little shepherd boy David to walk obediently in your way. Everyone said together. Amen, amen. So everything, it begins with opportunity. Opportunity. See, God, when we, in our reading that we've been going through the last couple of weeks, we see this opportunity where God, he anoints Saul as king. He anoints Saul as king. And previous to Saul becoming king, it's important to recognize that when we look at the nation of Israel, that they didn't have this earthly king. God was their king. God ruled the people. The nation of Israel was unlike any other nation in this way. God ruled them, and he spoke to them through the prophets. 
But when we, when we came to 1 Samuel chapter 8, we saw that the people of Israel, they had lost confidence. Samuel was getting old, and verse 3 tells us that his sons did not walk in his ways, but they turned aside after their own gain. And it says in verse 3 that they took bribes and that they had perverted justice. And as a result of this, many other things, the people said in verse 5, they said, give us a king to judge us, but then they said, like other nations. Give us a king to judge us like other nations. And it's important that we pay attention here because this, like other nations, is, it's a theme, it's a recurring theme in the nation of Israel as well as in our lives. And this is the theme. The theme is that when things stop going our way, when God doesn't respond the way that we want him to, we're often tempted to model the culture around us, right? We look at our friends and whether it's on Instagram or Facebook or wherever you're looking, we look at all these people and we go, it looks like they're having a better life than I am. They look happier. They have more friends. Why don't we try to be more like them? Which is a very dangerous response because is that an accurate picture of who they really are? <laughs> no, it's not. It's I don't think so. I don't think so. See, we look at them, though, and we go, boy, things are going so well. What, what, what's happening here? And we could spend a lot of time there, but, to, but as we move forward here, God's response to the request is he says, okay, I'll give you a king. And Samuel, he's upset by the people's response, but he obeys God. Listen to what God says to Samuel. God says to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So to make a long story short, God, he anoints Saul as king. And Israel now has their first earthly king. So who was Saul? Well, Saul was a man with the pedigree. Paul, he, Saul was the man, and online I kept going, Saul, Paul, Saul, Paul. I'm like, no, 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 it's Saul, Saul, Saul. So if I forget your name, uh, lo siento, I'm sorry. So who was Saul? Saul was the son of, son of a wealthy man. Saul had the money. And the Bible says that he was handsome. It says that Saul was a handsome young man, that there was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. How many of you had your mom say that to you? <laughs> There's no one prettier than you. But Saul, he also had the look of a mighty warrior. In 1 Samuel 9, 2, it says that from his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the, of the people. Now, Samuel's not saying there, he had a really long neck. That's not what that's about. <laughs> the neck was a neck like a giraffe. He wasn't a giraffe. What? That's a way of saying that he stood head and shoulders above everybody. And even he, he, he came from the Benjamite tribe, and this was a tribe known to be great warriors and had success in battle defeating the Ammonites. This was the guy. He had the money. He had the looks. He had a long neck. Uh, he, was, he was successful in battle. In other words, God gave the people what they asked for. But there's a little warning here that, that we're not going to dive too deep in today, but be careful what you ask for. My mom used to say all this time, be careful what you ask for because you might just get it. Have you ever asked for something and you're like, thank God that you did not give that to me? <laughs> That would have been disastrous. So although Saul, he had the pedigree, he had the look, 
this didn't mean that he was ready. You can look good on paper, you can look good on LinkedIn, but it doesn't mean that you're ready for the job because although he was anointed as King Saul, he still needed preparation. He still needed preparation. And this is a good reminder for us that when God calls us, when God positions, when he places us, there's still a work of preparation. You know, maybe you've had to work for somebody that they show up as the first day on the job and they're like, all right, I've got all the answers. Immediately you start updating your LinkedIn profile, right? You're like, I, I need to get out of here. Because arrogance often comes before a fall. That's why the Bible says that, what? He gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. Because when we get to the point that we think we have nothing left to learn, we have no other ways to grow, may God help us and those around us. There's a preparation that takes place. See, Saul had the look, but that's not the most important part. Looks can be very deceiving. You know, maybe you've heard before, don't judge a book by its cover. Know what I hear a lot? Don't judge a movie by the trailer. How many of you have been fooled by a trailer, right? You've seen a movie trailer, and you're like, all the funny lines were in it, all the good parts were in it. I should have just stopped at watching the trailer, right? And now you kiss $13 goodbye or 5 bucks at the crest. Do you love the crest? Yeah, man. Oh, love the crest. I'm not endorsed by them. See, we can be fooled by what's on the outside, but God focuses on the interior of our lives because the interior of our lives are so important that then when Samuel would later look for Saul's successor, listen to these words that God spoke to Samuel. To Samuel, he said, Samuel, don't look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I've rejected him. He said, for the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the, it's the interior. So how does God prepare us? When we, when we think about preparation, what does that look like? How does God prepare us? God prepares us by testing us. Did the excitement just well up in your spirit? You're like, yes, more tests. See, tests are important, though, because tests reveal our true character. We, and, we, and we keep saying this because it keeps coming up because we keep forgetting it. When things don't go as planned, our first response can be, what's going wrong? What happened here? You know, why am I being tested again? Didn't I take this test before? Didn't I, aren't I growing in this? Why am I being tested again? And so often when we're walking in the path and we're following God and things, it seems like it's going off track, we're like, what's happening here? It's often surprising how we can be so easily moved from being at a place of peace to being in a place of anxiousness. Are you like me in that? Where you're like, man, things are so peaceful, and then, and then things go bad, and you're just all of a sudden anxiety, and then things get back on track again, and you're like this, and then things go off, and you're back down again, right? It's like a, it's like a terrible EKG. See, when I was going through a difficult time in ministry, early on in ministry, going through a different time, had a difficult leader just tough. Uh, Steph and I were going through eight years of infertility, all kinds of different difficult things going on. And, and I had a really good friend who was a youth pastor on staff with me. And he saw I was going through difficulty. He was walking with me. But he gave me just a wonderful classic book. And it's a book by Eugene Edwards. And the book is called The Tale of Three Kings. Maybe you've heard that before. Powerful book. It's a book that looks at the lives of three kings, King Saul, King David, and then King Absalom. And it's a book that really strategically helped me navigate through the challenge of pain and disappointment in leadership. And in this book, Edward makes this powerful observation as it relates to this challenge of preparation and dealing with pain because unknowingly at the time, God was actually preparing me. God was actually getting me ready. And this is something that left, that just, it left off the page to me. Edward writes in this book, he says, God has a university. 
It's a small school, few enroll, and even fewer graduate. Very, very few indeed. God has the school because he does not have broken men and women. Instead, he has several other types of people. He has people who claim to have God's authority and don't. People who claim to be broken and aren't. And people who do have God's authority but who are mad and unbroken. And he has, regretfully, a great mixture of everything in between. All of these he has in abundance, but broken men and women hardly at all. In God's sacred school of submission and brokenness, why are there so few students? Because all students in this school must suffer much pain. Must suffer much pain. Now, when Edwards talks about brokenness, he's using that word to describe that surrender, that totally giving of ourselves to God. See, David wrote about this in Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, David said, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. See, many are attracted to God. All-powerful creator of the universe He's our healer, he's our restorer, he's all wise, he's all loving. But many turn away when they see the cost of discipleship, that complete surrender to God. And they're often surprised by it. See, testing, it reveals who we're really listening to, who we really trust. It's the test that they're like fire, that they reveal what's really in a person. And if it's God, then we are strengthened and we grow. But if it's anything else, then we're struck with two choices. We, we either deal with what's been revealed to us, right? Maybe that's happened to you where there's this testing and something comes up and there's just this thing inside of you. You're like, God, I didn't even know that was there. Lord, please take it from me. Please, I surrender this to you. And we confess and we surrender it. Or sadly, like we'll see in the life of Saul, we ignore it and we resist it and we continue on the spiritual downward spiral dragging people with us. See, the issues that are in our life, they need to be dealt with because God's plan in our life, it's only achieved through God's power in our life. When God, the creator of the universe, looks to you and he speaks to you, and there's a call on all of our lives, his plan is only achieved through his power, not through us. Now, he's given us gifts that we need to cultivate, we need to study to show ourselves to prove, we need to be good stewards of everything around us. But God's plan for our lives is only achieved through God's power in our life. And as it relates to God, God doesn't share his power because you can't handle it. I can't handle it. No one can handle that power of God. God's power in us is achieved through God's presence in us. We find through the word that he lives in us. He resides in us. His spirit, when we surrender our life to God, his spirit is alive in us. But God doesn't share this space with anything or anyone else, even you and me, as wonderful and beautiful as you are. He doesn't share it. He is king. He doesn't share it because he is God. He is the only one who's wise enough and powerful enough and loving enough to do this. So why would I want to get in God's way? When God's in my life, all wise, all powerful, am I all wise? No, you should be saying no. Am I all powerful? No. Marvel's never called me. Why would I want to control something? See, my role 
is like David, that broken, that contrite spirit. God, you are God. Be in me. Oh, that you would, I'm humbled by the fact that you would even reside in me and be alive in me and use me. And that humility could be total surrender and saying, God, empty my ears of everything but you. Shape my ears by your voice. I need to hear you. See, if I get in the way, I'm just going to mess it up. And this was Saul's test that we see in 1 Samuel 13. 1 Samuel 13, we see that after two years of king, as king, Saul is preparing for an attack on the Philistines. You'll keep hearing about the Philistines as you read through. And Gilgal is significant because this is the place. Paul is, uh, sorry, Saul. See, I'm bad with names. Bad with names. Saul is now in the place where he was two years previously crowned as king. This is a significant moment. And this was also the place where sacrifice had been offered before. And now before the battle, Saul, he was waiting for Samuel to come and to make a sacrifice to God for the battle that's ahead. And this is significant because this is something that only a prophet could do. And here's the test. Saul's test is laid out in 1 Samuel 13 verse 8. It says that he waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. He knew the time, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul's there. He's ready. He aligned his calendar. He was there. He was ready. He had the people ready, and now the prophet Samuel is late. How many of you hate it when people are late? Or maybe you're the late person. You're like, what's the big deal? Who cares? Yeah, Samuel's late. It's been seven days. This is how long he was supposed to wait. And so he's there. And not only that, now it's been seven days, and Saul's ready, and now the people are beginning to scatter. So he's, he's waiting for the sacrifice to be made so that he can go to war for God, doing something God had called him to. And now Samuel's late, and the people are beginning to scatter. And so here's the choice. Here's the decision that he has to make, and it's a decision that we often have to make. Do I continue to wait? Or do I take things in my own hands? Well, Samuel, if you're going to be late, then I'll just take care of it. People are scattering. God, you called me to do this. Where are you? See, when God doesn't respond like last time, because he's going, God, this is how you've done it. Last time you were here. And when God doesn't respond like he did last time, we get nervous. We like predictability. We say we love spontaneity, we love artists, we love everything like that, but there's a parts of our life that we like predictability, right? I want to be paid on this day, I want to have breakfast at this time, I want to have all these things laid out. So when God doesn't respond the way that we like, we get nervous, and nervousness leads to fear. And fear makes us want to control things. Maybe you identify that way. Man, when I get nervous, when I get fearful, I just want to control the things in my life. Every head bow, every eye closed, all the fearful control freaks, just raise your hand right now. I'm, right? <laughs> Don't point at a control freak, okay? That's a dangerous move. But this is our mode. We get nervous, we get fearful, and then we start controlling, and control is a common fear response. And we need to pay attention because how we respond determines the results. Our response to these moments is critical. See, this was an important and a decisive moment in Saul's life, and it's one that would determine his future as king. As he walks out, as he responds to this, God, you didn't respond like you used to. I was waited. I showed up. I'm ready to go. 
This is Saul's test. Because see, how we respond in these moments, they're crucial in our development. I mean, remember that stress analogy from the beginning, right? Saul, he's on the, he's on the treadmill. He's waiting. All the wires spiritually are connected up. What's he going to do? See, this reveals what's in your heart. God was revealing what was in the heart of Saul. What's in your heart, Saul? When it all comes down, will you continue to trust God or will you give up and just do it yourself? In other words, how's your resilience? Do you have the resilience, the heart health and the strength to not give in to the stress and allow it to defeat you? So that you can resist the temptation to stop waiting on God and do it yourself. This is the big thing. Even in temptation of sin, with every temptation that's come our way, there's always a window of opportunity to resist. How's our resilience? Unfortunately, Saul chose control. His choice was control. Verse 9, it says, so Saul said... Bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. In other words, I'll do it. If you're not going to show up, if you're not going to appreciate my time, then I will just do it on my own. Anybody ever say that before? And he offered the burnt offering. And sadly, Saul failed the test. He took things into his hands. And if you keep reading, and this this is something that's happened so many times in my life, what I'm about to tell you and what I've seen in other people's lives. The sad reality is that he was on the edge of success. He was right there. The moment that he gave into temptation was just before the moment that Samuel was showing up. Have you ever been there like, oh, why didn't I wait if I just waited a little bit longer? See, as soon as he'd finished offering the burnt, the Bible tells us as soon as he'd finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And we need to realize this. We need to realize this, that our greatest temptation will always, always, always show up just before our greatest opportunity. Always. Always. Maybe there's a little tear coming down your face right now, right? Because you're, you're thinking back, and it's right there. Because the greatest temptation, because here's why. Satan knows what's at work. Satan knows what's at work, and as creative as we think we are, humanity throughout history, you read a lot of history, you see the predictability of humans, right? Or humans, as they say in New Jersey. We are so predictable. Satan knows this, and he can read it. He can see it. So just that last moment, he's going to throw everything he's got at you. My prayer, and I've prayed to God many times, God, may I recognize that when the greatest temptation, when the greatest assault, when the greatest fear comes in my life, help me to recognize that you're doing something good's about to happen. <laughs> when I'm being pursued, when I'm being attacked, when there's spiritual attack, when there's so many things in my head, God, help me to turn to folks and say, there must be something good happening because I'm being attacked real strong right now. Why would Satan waste his time with somebody who's not going to do anything? If you're being attacked right now, my prayer is that you would recognize that, that, that the Holy Spirit would reveal to you that you're being attacked for a purpose, that there's something great about to happen, or God is forming you, he's shaping you, he's getting you ready for something in some way, and the enemy is attacking you because he's scared. 
because he knows that no weapon formed against you can prosper when we are filled with the Spirit of God, when we are filled with the power of God, when we're aligning our lives, when we are broken before God and saying, God, speak, your servant is listening, all of heaven trembles in that moment. I love the words, I think it was Dwight L. Moody and or who has said that the world has yet to see what would happen through a person who is totally and completely surrendered to God. Somebody who is completely, God, I am yours in everything. Everything is yours. My, so recognize it. If you're being assaulted right now, don't give up. Don't give up. Because the Samuel in your life is about to show up. And God's just, he's testing you. He's getting you ready. Those that wait on the Lord, they will what? They will renew their strength. God's trying to renew your strength. This is his way. We need to respond to this. Because sadly, again, Saul continued to degrade. Saul responded like I'm sure many of us. I know I've, I've been guilty of responding like this before. When Saul was confronted, he, he took control in his own hands and Samuel shows up. He realizes it. Instead of confessing, Saul's response is he justifies himself. He justifies himself. See, Saul, he immediately knew that he was wrong. And do you know how we know that he knew he was wrong? Because <laughs> he started making excuses. <laughs> right? Those of you who've, maybe you've taught school or you've been... You know, you've worked downstairs in children's ministry, <laughs> wherever you've been. You know that when a kid starts making excuses, you're like, they're guilty. <laughs> right? You, you know that. Right? The ones that have all the excuses, all the things going out. See, when Samuel confronted Saul, he essentially said, what have you done? He comes to Saul, what have you done? This was the graciousness of God. He, I believe that Saul had another opportunity. He could have confessed. You know what? I took control. I shouldn't have done that. This is the response of David. When David was confronted, David made mistakes. Keep reading. But the difference was, David's response was, forgive me. Forgive me, God. But instead, instead of confessing and asking forgiveness, here's what Saul said. Saul said, when I saw the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself. In other words, I didn't want to do it. I just, I forced myself to do this and I offered the burnt offering. In other words, Paul's saying, it's your fault, Samuel. If you had been here, if you were here, this wouldn't have happened. He's blaming Samuel, and he goes even further and says, I didn't want to do it, but I, I forced myself. Have you ever said that about yourself before? But Samuel's not buying it. See, Samuel said to Saul, he said, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. In other words, as a result of not waiting on God, Saul eventually loses everything. 
So he thought he'd just go through the motions, say the prayer, make the sacrifices. But see, God is not after our ceremonies. He's not after our ceremonies. He's not after any of that. God is after our heart, right? Humans look on the outside. What does God look at? The heart. Because if the heart surrendered, now we're talking. Now we're moving forward. For Samuel chapter 15, verse 11 says these sad words about Saul. Listen to what God says about Saul. He says, I regret that I made Saul king, for he's turned back from following me and has not performed my commands. So, what's our lesson here? We have an opportunity to respond. Our lesson here is we have an opportunity. Because the lesson here is that spiritual health is not measured by your ability to perform. Thank God. That should give us hope. It's not about our performance. Now, there's, there's a responsibility that we have. That doesn't mean we're like, oh, I can do whatever I want. No, that's, that's, that's what Saul did. See, Saul knew how to give a good performance. But as it relates to our spiritual health that builds resiliency in our life, I love what Dr. R.T. Kindle says. He says, spiritual health is often measured by the distance between sin and forgiveness. Isn't that good? Spiritual health is often measured by the distance between sin and forgiveness. In other words, your spiritual health, my spiritual health, is measured by when we sin, when we miss the mark, when we get out of alignment with God, how quick does it take us to kneel and say, God, I've left you, please forgive me. See, confession is a normal and regular part of every believer's life. Confession is a normal part of every pastor's life. Right? Our spiritual health is that in that moment when the Holy Spirit convicts us, not condemning, the Holy Spirit is convicting us because he's saying, you're going the wrong way. Come back to God. Come under the shadow of his wing. Align your life to his power and his authority. And it begins with that broken spear, that contrite heart of, Lord, forgive me. I know I'm getting off base. I know I'm watching things I shouldn't watch. I know I'm listening to the things I shouldn't listen to. I know I'm entertaining thoughts that are not pleasing to you. I know I'm giving others a stronger voice in my life than you. That's why David wrote in Psalm 51, you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit. A broken spirit and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. See, this is one of the great paradoxes in Scripture. One of the great paradoxes that we resist in our lives is that being broken before the Lord, that Lord, I am yours, take me, mold me, shape me, break me, is one of the greatest strengthening things that we can do. I love what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. He said, this is what the Lord said to me. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power, God's power is made perfect in weakness. How many of us feel weak today? (laughs) 
If you feel weak, you are strategically positioned for the power of God to be perfected in your life. That's why Paul said, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Look how weak I am. (laughs) I'm nothing without God. I need you, God. He said, I boast about it so that in order for the power of Christ to rest upon me. He says, then for the sake of Christ, then I am content with my weaknesses. Because I know of your power, I'm content with my weakness. Because I know of your power, I'm content with the insults. Because of your power, I'm content with the hardships. I'm content with the persecutions, he says. He says, I'm content with all the calamities, all these things taking place because I know the power afforded to me as I humble myself and I surrender to you. I am content because Paul says, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. See, so many times we've, we find ourselves, where's that strength of God? Where's that power of God coming in my life? And God's saying, are you willing to humble yourself? Are you willing to let go? Are you willing to relinquish all control? Control of the outcomes. Because sometimes we make these bargains with God, right? I'll surrender everything to you, and I'll be that broken person if that means that you'll make this happen. If that means that you'll heal my child. We've all made those bargains. God, I'll follow you if you'll do this. If you'll give me a good job. If you'll mend my relationship, God, I'll do that. And God's saying, no, you surrender everything to me. You recognize how great and awesome God is. And his desire is to flow in your life. And then you say, God, you are God. I am not. I surrender to you. I surrender to you. Break me, mold me, oh God. See, this is where that resilience comes in our life. That resilience of then when we go through stress, like Paul, Paul's going, I consider all of that. I boast in that. Because I know when I'm weak, I'm strong because you're in me. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me today? And as you stand, I want you to just to, if this is your prayer, just stand saying, Lord, I'm standing in you today. I'm standing, surrendering to you. God, forgive me of the times when I've tried to negotiate with you and I've tried to barter with you and I've, when I've let other people confuse me about who you are instead of looking to you. Lord, I look to you. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Reveal to us how often that the greatest battles in our life the greatest temptation when things seem darkness. May we see we are on the edge of the light of Christ as we surrender to you. So as we respond to the Lord today, the response is everything. Ask yourself, how is my spiritual health today? Where is my health? And again, thinking about that R.T. Kendall definition of that when I... When I sin, when I recognize I've misaligned my life, I've come out, and how quick am I to confess and receive forgiveness? How big is that gap? Are there things that I need to confess today, things I need to deal with? Bring it to the Lord. Allow that to grow in your life. How about spiritual resilience? When I'm going through stress and trials, Do I trust God or do I try to control it on my own? And God is doing things in our life when we step forward, when 
That's why I lift my hands. I'm like, God, it's, I want my body to be surrendered to you, everything to you, as it says in your word. Don't just stay where you are today. If the Spirit's speaking to you, step out. We have people here to pray with you. They've been praying for you. Just say, would you pray with me today? Turn to the person next to you that came with. If you want to pray with them, say, would you pray with me today? I need to give my life to Christ. I need to resurrender my life to Christ. I need help. I'm going through stress. I'm trying to see it. I get it, understand it, agree with it. But Lord, help that to be alive in me. Go and allow that to remind you. But let's respond in these moments. Amen? Amen. So Lord, speak. We're listening to you. We respond to you, knowing that when we are weak, We are strong as we turn to you in your name. You know, when they asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And he said the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, every time we use the word love, I feel like it's important for us to be reminded that we're not talking about love the way the world defines it, where it's us. It's about gratifying ourselves. It's all about me. We're talking about that godly, that sacrificial love, that when I'm weak, I'm strong, that giving everything to surrender. That's what we're talking about, where we find our strength. Yeah, Lord, we thank you. Because when we were rejecting, ignoring you, you loved us. You gave your life for us. It's only because you first loved us that we even have the opportunity to approach you. So Lord, I pray that as we walk and as we continue to allow the voice of the Holy Spirit to speak and to regenerate, to guide us and instruct us in all things. Lord, I pray this wouldn't just be a moment, this wouldn't just be a reminder, but God, I pray it would be a catalyst as we walk forward that we know in all things, God, that you are giving us an opportunity and you're preparing us. And Lord, help us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to respond, to recognize that the testing is for a purpose. Everything, you waste nothing. And at that greatest moment of attack, Lord, may we recognize that we're on the edge of something here. That we wouldn't try to to control, we wouldn't try to respond with our own strength, but we would say, Lord, break my spirit. Humble me. So that in my weakness, I would experience the strength of you, I pray. And everyone said together. Amen. Amen. Let me encourage you. The Lord is stirring your spirit. Write it down. Process that, bring it to your group, find somebody, and engage in some way with that. Love you all so very much. This is our benediction, our benediction. Let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now, go and live for Jesus.